Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. So today I'm joined by Nichelle Juliana Ortiz Gonzalez of Nichelle Juliana. So Nichelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for having me. And hi, everybody. I hope everybody's doing fine and, and are safe. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? So I'm Nachelle Julian Ortiz Gonzalez, as Allison said. Um, I am from Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, I'm also a professor and I'm a fashion designer. And my brand is Nachelle Juliana. Uh, and I am also a mom of three amazing kids. So that is also a big part of who Nachelle is. Nice. And there's a lot of things there. So I kind of want to <laughs> <laughs> dive into all of it. Um, so I actually had the privilege of taking some of your classes in college. Um, and I always remember that you taught us how fashion is a reflection of society. And so can you speak a little bit about what, what that, what you mean by that and how <laughs> you see that playing out in fashion? Um, to contextualize, um, so I'm from Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico is a colony of United States. And so politics is always something that we discuss. Um, here is more like a every four year thing, but in Puerto Rico is literally um, one of the conversations that you have at dinner. Um, so for me, um, loving fashion design since I was little, it was, I felt a little guilty always um, of oh, this thing that we see in the TV of very, uh, even like, uh, it's, it's not a profound thing, fashion, how we see it in, in the TV. Uh, so I was very guilty about that. But then, um, I started studying fashion from more an anthropological side. Uh, side and uh, I started working more on fashion and politics and fashion and social uh, movements and how fashion and how the dress code has empowered many communities. Um, so, so that is what I say that fashion is a reflection of society. We, re we all remember when the tragedy of 9-11 happened after we had a huge trend in fashion about the flag of United States and um, military boots. Um, so those little details are very empowering for the community um, and how we use it. So that is why my favorite phrase is uh, fashion is the reflection of society. I love that because I do think we tend to as a society think of fashion as like frivolous and mm -hmm. superficial but mm -hmm. it is and I see it you know, more often from a fit standpoint, it's like when clothes fit well, mm -hmm. like 
the people who are wearing clothes that fit them well, like their, their attitude changes and they feel more mm-hmm. confident about themselves. And so like, I, I see from that side of things, how fashion empowers people, mm-hmm. but I love how you dive into mm-hmm. more the political and like social side of it as well. Cause that's, that's equally powerful, but I don't think a lot of people think about that. Yes, but um, every morning, how we dress reflect how we are feeling that day, um, mm-hmm. and we do it so naturally. It's so it's not, it, you you just don't think about it, but it's it's part of the ritual of every morning. And even the anti-fashion people, when you are anti-fashion, you are making a statement. So you are using uh, fashion as a method of communication. Um, so I, 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 I love when people say I hate fashion uh, and I can come back and say, oh, really, let's study what you have on right now and why you select those pieces. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a beautiful, natural thing in us right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, and I think I know the answer based on what you said, but um, <laughs> like, so society or fashion reflects society um does it work in reverse at all like do do our clothes influence society at all do you think um yes i think from a cultural point of view uh for example we can see um that paris see fashion as part of their cultural heritage. Um, And here we can see how ready to wear uh, is part of our heritage, this easy, comfortable uh, lifestyle. Um, So yes, it's it's a very uh, back and forward relationship. It's a very elastic relationship. But yes, of course, we reflect um, how, how, how the society see and how we need to, um, at the end is designed. So we are here on the service of society and in the human being. Um, we need to protect, we need to uh, give them different voices of status or, or needs. Um, so, so yes, it's a very organic relationship in between uh, society and fashion and how they feed each other yeah yeah I can totally see that um so speaking of Paris I know you've shown some collections at Paris Fashion Fashion Week and you showed in spring of 2020 right yes correct can you tell us a little bit more about that collection and what your creative process and look like like give us a little behind the (laughs) behind the scenes tour of that collection okay so um my last collection uh, was appropriation um and i think we all um go through different changes and i and for me um the last three or two years has been uh, a very important part of my life um, has been like my transition um, in many ways. And I think appropriation was just a reflection of that. Um, Right now, when I see back, I think that the collection was not um, where it needed to be, um, but it was an important process. So I think it was very personal in, in many ways. 
and um, I was working with denim and I do not wear, personally, I do not wear any denim because it's very, very um, heavy. It's a very contaminated uh, process mm -hmm. to make denim and the indigo process. Um, so I was trying to talk about the social political context of from a paddle perspective. And I wanted to incorporate reuse materials um, to challenge the business of fashion. So I was I was studying the, the use of materials. So I was using the word appropriation as like a, a, a breaking point because it's a word that we are using a lot in the fashion industry mm -hmm. with the cultural misappropriation, <clears throat> the single-use materials habits, the excessive consumerism, and this culture of, I'm going to buy this because it's $2 and then I'm going to wear it only one time. And it's fine because I can throw it away because it's only $2. And I was so, so um, concerned about how we need to educate our buyers not only the designers um, in, in all these things. And we saw a lot of critiques about cultural appropriation in the wrong way last year. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to put all this together. So it was like, like a crisis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I called my friends and asked them to please to send me all their denim or old jeans and they sent it to me and I break them out and I redid a collection um, and I was appropriating for all these brands and all these materials um, and creating something new. So that is how appropriation was, was born. So does, what does your kind of creative and design and research process look like? Like you have such a detailed like history and meaning behind the collection? Do you start with the research first and then come up with the, the concept? Or do you did you have kind of the concept for the collection and the statement and then the creative design followed? Oh, yes. Um, so I'm a very research-based designer, um, meaning that sometimes for me, um, the process of research take a year, like um, Suara, I'm going to talk about that one because I did it in St. Louis. When I moved to St. Louis, um, we were having a lot of protests in Ferguson mm -hmm. and um, I was helping with um, bringing some food uh, to help the people that were there and other stuff. and. I met this nun and, and she, she, she was amazing. And I'm not a Catholic, but um, she told me um, that she wanted to be a nun because in her times, women only were able to get married or um, go on being a nun. So she decided to marry Jesus because it was easier. <laughs> um, so from, in many instances, my collections come from personal experiences or stuff that are happening 
on, on, on where I, I'm living. Um, so I always have a very, very deep and uh, close relationship with my collections. And then I started studying the Loreto sister. And this is the, the place where this, uh, the nun was in that convent. And, and I was, I, and I read, I, I love to read when I'm doing any of my collections research and where things come from, why it come from. Um, all that information is very important for me. Um, and uh, then I, I started sketching. Um, I do many sketches and um, I can do redo my, my sketches and break them and throw it away um, and start from scratch again. Is I'm very hard on myself. I talk a lot with many people. I I I like to share my ideas, and I love when people destroy them. <laughs> and um, after that, normally I go to the dress form. I'm a draper by training. Um, uh, I, I'm not as you with pattern making. I'm not good at like you. Um, it's a, I'm it's a, a different draper. mindset. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm very visual. I'm very touchy. I, I love the process of of looking what I want and see if that is what I want at the end and if the fabric is doing what I think it's going to do mm-hmm. because the paper is so easy to put everything. Uh, and then when you go to 3D, um, it's, it's a different story. So I drape before I select even my line plan, uh, my final uh, looks. And I go and I, I play with the fabric and see how I'm feeling and if, if it's a reality, what I see in the, in the draping from the sketch. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's very weird because I'm very conceptual um, as a fashion designer, but I'm very technical at the same time. Um, yeah, I can definitely so, see that in your work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and um, and sometimes you don't see that combination. But after I drape and take a lot of photos, that is when I create my lineup, uh, combining my my sketches and my photos, my three dimensional photos, explorations, um, and then is when I do my final lineup. Um, and that process normally takes me a year. Um, if I go very deep on the the the, the concept, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, very deep history, so I need to dig a lot of information uh, to find it. Um, and then uh, sewing, I sew all my pat, or everything that I do, I do it myself for many reasons, um, but. I'm also very, um, very careful with that process and I follow it all the time. And, and I think it's because, because I'm a teacher and I respect so much my students um, and I feel very, um, very engaged and very responsible with my students. So I follow this process because it's the process that I ask my students to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to don't, to, I, I want to be a professor of example, not only by lecturing. Um, 
so I follow the process. I do my samples um, in muslin, in what it, the same as everybody. And then um, that is when I do the final looks. Um, so yeah, I follow a very traditional old school process. I mean, that's cool though. And that you do so much of the research, like you, you really know like where the concept come from and what the, what the message is behind it and not just like take one piece of inspiration and run with it. Like you, <laughs> like you're very into the research, which I, I think not everybody does that. So it's a traditional process, but I think you you do more of the research and the upfront. Yes. Yeah. I, I think also I, I like when I go to my runways, I always make a story um, about why and it, it, and it's a story literally so I always give information to my viewers um, and I give them little booklets with information the historic facts um, because I also think that that is a is pro, it's a process of educating your viewer and mm -hmm. consumer so um, I, I feel very responsible with that process yeah so do you um, are your collections, like, are they more, like you've said, they're very personal and, you know, come from and are inspired by, you know, people you meet or things in the, in wherever you're living. So are, are they, are the collections kind of created as an expression of what you're going through or thinking about, or are you creating them to educate your viewers? or a little both? Um, mm, that is a good question. I think it's a little both. Um, I, I, am, I am always so um, interested on learning something else and see other point of views and respect um, other ways of living. Um, I remember when I met you, Alison, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, you were you were homeschooler? How was that? Do you remember? <laughs> uh, and it's, it's this real curiosity of, of learning from other humans' life and other point of view. I I I will I think if we have people with that that hunger of knowing the other um, from a deeper perspective and doing a deep connection with stuff, um, even with your pencil, you know, we, we have pencils everywhere. Uh, <clears throat> and we don't think of the whole process that a single pencil needed to go through. Um, so, and, and, and maybe it's because I'm from the Caribbean and, and, and these, way of having everything so digest, um, like here in the United States, um, was not a possibility in, 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 in my country. So, so it's, it's just this thing about here, this is, this is why this is amazing. It's not only because it looked good, um, mm -hmm. but it's amazing in so many levels. And for a piece of clothing, you need maybe 300 people to think at some point um, who did the threat, who who uh, who was doing the, the taking care of the tree of cotton. Um, so it is 
if we think about it, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's so global. It's so, it, and it connect with each other because mm-hmm. we, we are wearing something that is, that have many hands on it. <laughs> um, I don't know if some people like that or not, but <clears throat> that connection with the other. Yeah. And I don't think the average consumer realizes how much goes into a single garment or even, you know, I've talked to people who didn't realize that, you know, most factories, it's people who are operating the machines. It's not like a robot sewing your clothes. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's done, you know, there are specialized machines that are more automated, but there's still a human sewing, you Mm -hmm. know, and they didn't realize that. I'm like, no, there's, there's actually people that so that are sewing your clothes, you know, in, yes. in t- today's age. And yeah, I don't think a lot of people even realize that. Realize that. Yeah. And that is a farmer that, mm-hmm. that, that, that took care of that, that plant. So we have these. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so yes, is I, I think that is my mission like this, like you are here um, for me to support me in the wrong way but I'm giving you this back, you know? And, and I think knowledge is the most powerful, powerful um, thing in the world. So um, I'm, I'm respecting my, my viewer um, and giving them something very valuable back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so you mentioned it a little bit, but I'm curious if you can talk more about how how you got into kind of this education and activism in fashion. Like you mentioned that just growing up in Puerto Rico, it's more like politics is more of a a daily conversation, but are there other things that kind of influenced that the fact that you even went into fashion in the first place? So yes, um, in, um, in we, we had, I, I was always in protest and um, in, in different manifestations in Puerto Rico. And in one of them, I, I met uh, an anthropologist. I was in college at that point for architecture. Um, that was my first, um, my first um, time going to college. So I went for architecture because I, um, we didn't have a fashion degree in Puerto Rico at that time. Um, so that was the closest thing. It was like um, design in, in, in a way. Um, and I, I told her like, I love fashion. And, and but it's so stupid. I told her that. <laughs> and she was the first person saying me, no, fashion have a very deep meaning. And it have many ways. Look at us right now. We are with these t-shirts and we have messages in our t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can select um, another way of view fashion and work with fashion. And I remember um, that next weekend, I went to my parents and I told them, I really want to study fashion. And my, da- my dad is from Dominican Republic. <clears throat> And it's a very good school of designing Dominican Republic, uh, La Escuela de Altos de Chabón, and is um, partnered with, affiliated to Parsons School of Design. So you do two years there and then two years um, in, in New York. And when I went to the admissions, um, 
I put a lot of stuff with my political work, um, print design for for t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, that was not construction, but it was it was meaningful. Mm-hmm. And my my teacher, she she was like, "This is what you're going to do. This is the." the intelligent side of fashion that you can explore. Um, and, it, and it was also related to what was happening in, 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 my, in my life because I was moving from Puerto Rico to, to meet and know a little more about my other side, you know, my, my Dominican side. And mm-hmm. I was learning a lot of politics and, um, and, and I saw for the first time a huge um, difference on how politics were in Puerto Rico and how um, an independent country like Dominican Republic um, addressed themselves, the difference of how they they communicate and how they talk about their their country is very different. So and that is reflected in how they dress. Um, so that was my thesis for for my t- my uh, undergrad um, and. It, it was it was amazing to to see two two islands islands that are so close and so related to each other um, were so different because of the social cultural political aspects. Wow! Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and so since then, obviously you've you've stayed kind of in that fashion and politics from but I mean you you have quite an impressive like work history and fashion and, and teaching and um so what got you into teaching fashion then so um I I was working on the industry for um I, I graduated from high school very early uh, because I, I started early uh and I went to college and I finished at 19 um so oh, wow. I was very young and that is why I have a big experience and people say how you she did it <laughs> so I graduated five years um earlier than normal people mm-hmm. um so I went to work in the industry for five years and I work in Dominican Republic Mexico New York Italy and then I decided to go back to Puerto Rico to do technical design uh and when I was in that company, um, they say, "Hey, it's, it's, it's an opening for um, for a college. They are opening a new design school." And I was like, "Oh, really?" And they say, "Can you please teach a technical design course?" It was like something um, a relationship in between the the company and the school, um, mm-hmm. and. And I was like, yes, I will love that. So I went to teach technical design and I fell in love with teaching. I was like, oh, this is amazing. My students were challenging me and and it was very funny because I was 24 years old when I started teaching. Oh, wow. So my students were almost my peers, you know, my my mm-hmm. my same age. Um, and But it was uh, an op- like a opener. Like why I'm working 24 seven in corporate when I can do these and think. <laughs> um, so I I decided to stay there. They offer me a job and they say, okay, but you need to um, you need to finish 
um, a, a terminal degree. Um, and I went to back to college. So that is how I started um, teaching. And it was because I had so much experience outside of the island that I was bringing like all these digital um, technologies in, in Puerto Rico were not available yet. Um, so it was very, very um, interesting to, to bring and to teach digital arts in, in, from, fa from a fashion perspective, um, technical design. So that is how I started. Cool. Yeah. Like does your experience kind of like in the different islands and in, in all the countries that you've worked and lived or taught in, how, how has that shaped like your view of fashion and like influenced your work and your teaching? Um, <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> I'm a very different teacher. I'm a hands-on teacher. Uh, and I think it's because I'm a worker, you know, I'm a seamstress by training. Like uh, I, I, for many years, I consider myself a seamstress. Um, my first job was in Oscar del Renta as a draper. Um, so I, I, I think um, traveling and seeing all these different worlds of fashion made me very open of different styles. And I don't have only one view. I, I have the Italian view. I have the Mexican view. I have the Dominican view. And it's amazing how even construction is different um, in, in for, for country to country. So I think I'm very open to learn from my students and to modify how I'm teaching um, accordingly to their skills and needs. And I think the years I'm, I'm getting better at that. So I think, I think this vision of, it's not only one way to do it, it's many ways to do it, um, make me, Maybe I think it make that is what it make me a good teacher that I'm not in this vertical position. I see the classroom of more and horizontal space where we are um, we are learning and modifying and relearning um, the processes. So I think that is what make me different. And I bet that's really like good for the students too of you know, being able to learn from each other. And like you said, you, you teach by example. So like seeing how you do it and then maybe seeing how like their other classmates do something and like learn from each other in, in their each individual projects. Yeah. Um, I, I always like learning from other people and seeing, you know, how they do it. I mean, that's part of why I enjoy doing yeah. these podcast interviews is just to like learn how, how other people work in fashion and, and mm -hmm. how they, you know, live out their values, you know, in fashion um, and in their careers. So, and I think that's a really good way to learn. Yes. And this is great, Alison. Thank you for having this. Yeah. Space. Thank you for your time. <laughs> um, so I do want to ask you a few questions about, um, I've noticed especially this year, more brands becoming more politically, socially, and even environmentally outspoken this year. Um, I'm curious if you've noticed the same thing and if you think that 
it is a step forward for the industry or whether there's still a lot of room to grow in this area, which I'm sure there is, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yes, I think, I think, I think it's great that it's happening. Um, but I think this is an uh, imagery change. Um, and we, and we need to be very careful with what is happening. And I remember when in the 90s, we have these um, models in the wrong way that were a little more like 10 pounds uh, more than a f- size four. <clears throat> um, everybody was scandal, but then we went back to the size four, seek anorexic look in the wrong way. Um, so we have seen a, systematic uh, problem with um, with uh, representation in in the industry and it's not only a visual problem um, it's not putting on your cover the black woman that is photographed and dressed by a white person um, it's not enough to Put a plus size person in your in your cover. Um, you need to be systematic, very deep um, considerations for for this process that the world is going through. Mm-hmm. So um, we need people of color, people with disabilities, um, people um, trans women, trans men uh, in working and creating, creating fashion. Um, we need people that is working on, on corporate that are taking and making decisions uh, of how fashion is going to be, um, how the fashion future is, is created. Um, and right now in the fashion industry, we are in a very deep, um, deep, I feel stuck in the fashion industry. Um, and the only way that we are going to go forward is if we listen to the consumer. And we are not listening to the consumer because the people that is interpreting those ideas are not the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so is a change and it's good that it's happening, but we want to see also the numbers in their HR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to know who is making money with all these PR strategies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and that's, that's totally true because I, I've seen, I mean, there have been so many brands this year that have tried to enter you know more honest inclusive conversation about a lot of things um and failed Mm -hmm. and then somewhere it's like okay you know it's hard to know whether this is like a reactionary Mm -hmm. thing like whether they're saying oh I better I better jump on this bandwagon otherwise my customers are gonna be upset or -hmm. whether they're doing it because they're genuinely wanting to take a step forward and become better in these ways so it's it's hard to know and I'm I'm glad some brands are wanting to start talking about this but yeah like you said I I hope it goes way beyond just a PR strategy like it really needs to be from the top down as well 
Mm -hmm. um, yes. Not just a front-facing thing. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. So <laughs> I'm also curious, since since you are, you know, educating and making statements with your work, um, what are some of the things that you would would like to see changed, like in in consumers and in in brands, like of the things that you're educating on, you know, what what choices would you like to see consumers start making differently, and also mm -hmm what choices do you want to see brands start making differently? Mm -hmm. um, I think um, to be conscious about resources, um, I think that is a big one um, and in both sides. Um, this is mm -hmm. something I need to change in, in, in the consumer and in the designer. Um, we need to understand and appreciate every every detail of any garment. Um, we need to be informed. We just, we, we are in a time in history that we, we cannot make just decisions because we like it. I think we need to have a deeper understanding of why we are buying this thing uh, and who we are supporting. Um, so to the, those two things, and it's so easy. You have you have a cell phone with you all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So when you go to store, you can you can just set what is the last candle of Forever Twenty One or Sarah, um, and you're going to learn um, how many young designers, emerging designers, they have copy um, and they have sold their design. So so being fair a fair consumer and a fair designer i think that is that is important the responsibility um and 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 i think if we have that the rest is going to fall in play, place um if we understand that this is not just a problem that is not our problem um because when we throw away that t-shirt that was two dollars is going to end up in Haiti in their water or in their fields and they're going to get sick another person um that again the global view of what you can do is 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 very important um and that we are all connected we're so connected with each other mm -hmm. um, so that view, changing that view of the other um, and the appreciation of, of, of that piece as something that can affect or get better my local small business um, instead of making more rich the richer, the richer the rich <laughs> um, is, is, is so important. I think th that that's it, that, that is the, the, the most important part. Yeah, yeah. I saw something um, recently where it said, like when we say we're gonna like throw an old piece of clothing away, like there's really no such places away, like it's, it's going somewhere. <laughs> You know, it's still on our planet and affecting people. So mm -hmm. I thought that was an interesting way of talking about it. Of yeah, it, we are connected globally, and 
the choices that we make do affect other people. Mm-hmm. And, and also, yeah, and also, I don't know if here in U.S. was the same, but I remember in Puerto Rico, you, you had the home fact class. I don't know if you had something like that, but... Oh, like home, home economics? Yes, mm-hmm. and they everybody to sew a button, to make a hem, paint mm-hmm. stuff, that instead of you just throwing it away because the zipper broke, you can fix that that zipper, you know? Um, it's, it's a whole systematic change that we need. Education, mm-hmm. go back to those um, little things that can change so much how we, our relationship with, with consumerism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there, I've seen, I'm not sure if they still teach that in schools, because like you said, I was homeschooled, so um, <laughs> I, I learned how to, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, You're like, sewer. <laughs> what, what? That you are an amazing sewer. Oh, thank you, um, but yeah, so I think I've, I've seen even uh, some changes in, like, I feel like there used to be a little bit of a stigma um, growing up of buying secondhand clothing mm-hmm. um, and or mending, like having visible like repairs on your clothing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've always like shopped secondhand and not been bothered by it. But I think mm-hmm. now it's become, it, there's less of a stigma. Like now it's trendy to shop secondhand and to reuse, um, especially denim. I've, I feel like the kind of vintage mm-hmm. reworked, repaired mended denim is trendy which I'm excited to see and I hope that extends past just denim and past just a fad but yeah in terms of actually teaching the consumer to fix their clothing and how to repair it and how to wash it and care for it to -hmm. extend its life and then what to do with it when it's not really wearable anymore you know how Mm -hmm. how can we reuse it I think there's definitely a need for improvement there but I'm excited that there's yeah. it's more uh, it, normalized to yes, wear and I think these the millennials generation and the gen c mm-hmm. um are a very very different um society like it's, it's a different set of my mi- mindset sorry mindset mm-hmm. um is is very like um about it's more conscious I, and I can see it in my classroom the the difference uh, of questions that they are making um, is it, amazing it's beautiful um, how conscious these these students right now are are all the time and um, and asking these questions where where the clothes is going afterwards um, mm-hmm. or, um, okay let's go to the thrift store and buy something and maybe I can make it my own is it's not about if it's expensive or not it's more about their own voice and how they can address that voice is it's more individualized and mm-hmm. it celebrates that individual individualization um, as something amazing. I think some, before it was more like a group thing. Um, so I, I think that is why, why people do not mind to go to the thrift store and change it. And we have seen in, in the runways a lot of um, a, a upcycling collection. And it's exciting. It's exciting because we're saving so much 
materials and resources. Um, and, and I think it's, it's the, what this generation is asking for. So mm -hmm. I, I'm very happy and, and I, I see some hope on those trends. Yeah, even this year I've seen, and I think the pandemic maybe has something to do with it in terms of like highlighting the excess inventory that we have in fashion and also by kind of shutting down supply chains so much around the world um, that like we've had to be creative with the resources and materials that we already have available. So like I've seen even, and I can't remember exact names now, but um, several articles of like more prominent designers reusing, you know, trims or fabrics or doing patchwork pieces of past collections, you know, either reworking the garment or just using the leftover materials. And I think, you know, that's another step forward too, of again, like fashion that doesn't have to be uh, like, in season now and then out of trend a year from now, like we can refresh it and continue to use those same materials again. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and it's, it's, um, it's like even the nostalgic uh, mm -hmm. feeling of clothes. Like before the mom used to save the dress, the wedding dress for their daughters. Mm -hmm. um, but now that doesn't happen, but also we need to go then the quality of, of um, materials, the quality of construction that they had, they were resisting for a hundred years in the family. Mm -hmm. um, but now we cannot have that, but um, in these big houses it's easier, of course. Um, but I, I, I think it's, it's, it's beautiful what is happening um, and we need to we we need to start investing in clothes that is 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 for a whole living because for a whole lifestyle like lifetime sorry mm -hmm. because fashion is cyclical is is the nature of our of our work that is going to come back in trend mm -hmm. so let's invest in something good the good quality uh, on that emerging designer that in 20 years I am going to be able to wear it again and it's going to still look amazing and it's going to be an original so that mindset we need to go back to that uh, romanticism in in fashion yeah they definitely don't make stuff for the most part like they used to like my dad still has like a jacket from the 80s that he still wears and has and it's you know I can't imagine clothes now like many clothes now lasting 40 years and still being in use like that but it'd be great if it did so I do want to touch on quickly um you are also on Netflix show Next in Fashion mm -hmm. which was so fun to watch mm -hmm. um and I'm curious what that experience was like and what part um fashion reality tv has to influence society and fashion Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think the, the 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 experience for me was weird. <laughs> I I I was never a public person. That that was not my an aspiration. It was not in the back of my mind or nothing. It was just something that everybody asked 
<laughs> every designer, are you going to be in Project Runway or are you going to be mm -hmm. la <clears throat> And I was always very um, adamant. I was like, no, what? That is fast, fast fashion. That is fast food in fashion. <laughs> and, um, but I was very curious when this opportunity came, it was, it was portrayed to me, like um, it was, professional designers um it was going to be time to to do the garments um but it it was not like that mm. um it was like literally eight hours to make uh, a gown and wow. it, yeah and it was in pairs um and it, it was very difficult when you are working in such a short time to work with another person that in my case I haven't met before mm -hmm. um so the set was amazing um but but I I, I think the reality um it, it is not for me I'm a very high-end thinker fashion designer and that's it like um and and we need to 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 be truth to ourselves, we we all um, have different niches in the fashion industry, and this one just was not mine. I'm 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 a slow designer. I do slow fashion, and I'm proud of it. And that is what I want to do. Um, I do not aspire to be this fast, crazy, um, empty garment and and or brand so mm -hmm. so it was just not for me and it reflects so much what the fashion industry is leaving um of a quantity versus quality um mm -hmm. it was fine for me like go in the first round and 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 you can see like um like the attitude it, it was it was amazing because um when you can see um it, it's a very deep stupid view of the fashion world um, <laughs> I think that's a lot of people's I mean when I meet someone and I say you know I work in fashion they're always like oh I watch Project Runway and you know I it's like that's the way that people like want to connect with people in yes. our industry and, and I'm always like that's really not at all what it's like yeah. but yes. like I haven't been on Project Runway but I'm still like watching it and I'm like that's not my life that's not what yes. I do every day yes yes exactly it's, it's, it's just it's just uh, 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 it's not realistic but it's mm -hmm. fine it's fun that exists I think I think those spaces also need to to to, to be available for the people that wanna 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 see that and have and have a connection with fashion. It's important also that that we can see fashion as something that is very accessible. Um, but but it's not realistic. And um, I <clears throat> I do not aspire to be a celebrity. So um, <laughs> So that is the other layer of it. Um, I just want to do what I love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I'm more of a behind the scenes 
person as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I love, um, but I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot from my um, peers. Um, they are amazing. I still in contact with some of them. <clears throat> and um, learning and understanding that your concerns for, about fashion and where we are going as a designer is not just only your concern. That is something that a lot of young emerging or um, young designers are, are thinking. And it's, it's important also that validation that is not only um, your point of view um, is, is very important. And it was very important for me at that moment. Nice. Yeah, that's true of like seeing, having younger designers, like seeing somebody that they can aspire to be like, um, is important. Um, awesome. So this has been a really cool conversation. And I have <laughs> one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, yeah. which is if you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes, what would it be? Respect. <laughs> mm. Um, I think if you respect, you can disagree in many things. Mm -hmm. um, but but if you respect the other people, we can live together. Um, so I think that's it, the respect and um, and yeah and the, the respect is going to give you value and the respect is going to give you love and peace and um and it's going to to make you more uh, concerned about the other because you are res you respect them mm -hmm. when you respect something you take care of them and we need to take care of each other because we are an ecosystem and we all need each other, even though <clears throat> a lot of other forces are trying to take us apart. We are, we are just an ecosystem and if we respect each other, everything else is going to be fine. I love it. Yep, <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> That's a great thing. If everyone respected each other, we'd have a much better world. Um, awesome. Well, this has been such an insightful conversation. Um, thank you so much for your time. And where can people find more about you and follow you online? So my Instagram page is Nacheli Juliana. Uh, and my website is nachelijuliana.com. Um, thank you so much, Alison. I'm so happy to to hear you, to see you uh, bloom and to being um, an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to see where this journey takes you. Um, and I'm so happy to keep having some connection with St. Louis that was um, an, a, such an important um, point uh, and part of my adulthood. So I love St. Louis. I send all the love to all the people that, that make my life amazing in St. Louis. Um, and thank you for this space because these are very needed spaces, Allison. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for all that you taught me when I took your classes. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> helped um, get me to what I'm doing today, so. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for joining me.
That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Hanus, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.